0: Have you ever noticed that when people are, they don't know what to do, they sometimes make some bad decisions. Uh, I, you know, I go to the hospitals a lot and a lot of people, they don't know where to go when they go to the hospital. It's just a normal thing. They don't go very often. Maybe they're going for a doctor's appointment. It's one of those, those doctor's offices that is near the hospital. And I can see the people when they're trying to wander around while they're, while they're, you know, they don't know where they're going, they don't, you know, they know why they're going, they don't know where they're going, they don't know where it is exactly. I've seen them run stop signs, I've seen them run red lights, not not because they're people that would run stop signs or run red lights, but they're so focused on, I got to go where I need to go, and they don't know where they're going, so they're looking at everything. They're sort of like that person that doesn't know which exit to take down the interstate, so they're driving 30 miles an, o- an hour, so that maybe they when they see the sign, they'll remember what it is. And going 30 miles an hour down on an interstate is not a good decision. Wow. See, when we need to make decisions, we re- need to realize that there are decisions, that there are ways that we could have the decision not just made for us because it isn't made for us, because we can have these aids, if you want to call it, in order to be able to see. You know, sometimes our decisions... What we think is a small decision, it turns into something really great. You've heard me tell this story before, but it's amazing to me that Edward Kimball, a Sunday school teacher, would go to a shoe clerk that had visited his class and win that shoe clerk to the Lord. And that shoe clerk would become the greatest evangelist of the 19th century who would then lead a guy named Wilbur Chapman to the Lord, and he becomes a great evangelist. And then who would lead a guy named Billy Sunday, who was a professional baseball player to the Lord, and he becomes a great evangelist. And who would then influence and lead a guy named Mordecai Ham, who would then also be a great evangelist, who would lead Billy Graham to the Lord, and you know that he was a great evangelist. And you realize that on one day... One decision that didn't seem like it would be that big a decision, I'm going to go down to this, uh, this uh, shoe sales uh, place, the shoe store, and I'm going to talk to a guy who has visited my Sunday school class and see if I can tell him about the Lord. That doesn't seem like it would have the, implica- the you look, You realize the, what had happened? Not thousands, but hundreds of thousands of people came to know the Lord because of that so you know when we stand before the judgment seat of Christ I just imagine for Edward Kimball we'll all stand before the judgment seat of Christ and we'll get rewarded for the things we've done whether it's good or bad it's what it says in the scripture not talking about going to heaven I'm not talking about that I'm talking about all of us that are believers will stand before this judgment seat can you imagine it is very 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 possible that there will be millions of people behind Edward Kimball. Millions of people who came to know the Lord. Didn't seem like a big decision, does it? But it was. Well, whether your decisions, whether you consider them great or small, are directed by the Lord. They're absolutely directed by the Lord. You need to recognize that and realize that he will direct you. Now, that doesn't mean you have to do what he says. It just means that he's directed Do what? The board just shut down. Well, I guess I'm going to have to preach a little louder then, aren't I? Yeah, yeah that'll work for a few minutes, and then I'm going to blow your ears off when it comes back on. I'm sorry for that. I don't know what to do with you on that. Uh, I've never had this happen before, at least not in this service anyway. It says in Proverbs 16:9 the mind of a person plans his way but the Lord directs his steps you know there are some people who believe in fact I read a book on this many years ago that says you know what if you don't disobey the Lord you can do anything you want to now is that the real decision that needs to be made by anybody at all that if you say, well, yeah, that means I can do anything that I want to. I can do anything as long as I stay within the ditches, you know. There's a ditch on this side that says don't do this. And there's a ditch on this side says stop doing that. <laughs> you know. Now, I got to admit, you know, I don't pray for things like what shirt I should wear today. Uh, maybe you think, yeah, you should have though, you know. <laughs> You know, but sometimes something that seems minor can become major. I can tell you that you may not pray if you're going to go out to eat afterwards. You may not pray about the restaurant you're going to. But if you didn't have the money, if you didn't have the money in order to pay for that restaurant, I guarantee you would be praying. So as long as we are walking in the Spirit, that means as we're walking along with the Lord, We can do as he decides because why? Because we're walking along with him. And why is that? Because we can hear him. Why is that? Because he's right there next to us. It says in Galatians chapter 5 verse 16, But I say walk by the Spirit and you will not carry out the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh is against the Spirit and the Spirit against the flesh. For these are in opposition to one another in order to keep you from doing whatever you want. You see what it says? Whatever you want. You're not supposed to be doing whatever you want. You're supposed to be doing as the Spirit walks with you. And that's the only place that I know of that you can find the real joy and the the peace of the Lord. You're walking along with Him. He's walking along right beside you. You see, let me say this to you. You think sometimes, you know, well, this may not be, you know, evil or not. Let's think about this. You have a new job opportunity, for example. Do you take it? I can tell you by experience that I've learned the hard way that money is not the reason to take any job in fact is is that I've learned the hard way that money should never be the reason I would go to a job and money should not also be the reason I wouldn't go to a job what I really need to recognize is where is the Lord in this are you considering a new career path Again, i would tell you first, don't count on whether they're going to give you enough money in this. Because I've seen some of the most miserable people in the jobs that they have. They say, well, I decided to do this because of the money. I heard one time a 40-year-old dentist said, you know, an 18-year-old decided that I was going to be a dentist when I'm 40. Do you understand what I'm trying to say? That's when he decided to become a dentist. And he did it because of the money. And he got there and he realized it isn't. Uh, the joy that I thought it was going to have so you can become very miserable maybe some of you are miserable already do you make a change because you're miserable you know what uh, what do what do you need to do in order to make that change how do you discern these things now remember you walk along with the spirit what does the Lord want to give you abundant life not longer life but what's he want to give you? He wants to give you the fullness of the joy and the peace that he has. He wants you to understand exactly who he is. He wants you to humbly walk with him. He wants you to walk into the things that he has prepared for you. And so when you do this, it brings pure joy. So the first thing I'd say to you, make sure that you're walking in the Spirit so that you can make the right decisions. Secondly, I' ask you the question: do you have your mind set on the spirit that 's a little bit different walking with in the spirit and setting your mind on the spirit. they should be the same thing, and they do work hand in hand. but it says in Romans chapter eight verse six as far as the mind set on the flesh is death, but the mind set on the spirit is what life? and peace because the mindset on the flesh is hostile toward God for it does not subject itself to the law of God for it is uh, not even able to do so and those who are in the flesh cannot please God I think that a lot of people think you know what if I start walking with the Lord I'm walking in the spirit and I have my mindset on the spirit the Lord's probably going to call me to preach understand that is probably not going to happen There are plenty of people that have been called to preach that are not preaching. But there's also plenty of people who are preaching that shouldn't be preaching too. And if they could listen, if they could walk in the Spirit, and if they could listen to the Spirit, they would have known that that was not their call. Now understand, when we have this peace, this peace is not absent of, of trials. Peace is the assurance that God is walking with you through whatever you are facing. See... You know that together, you and God can handle anything. I mean, there's things in front of you. That doesn't mean you're going to have all the bad things escape. It means that when you walk in that that bad things in front of you, what you know is I know the person that's right next to me. And with him and me together, we can walk right through this thing. Because he's going to hold my hand. Sometimes he might even pick me up. That's why the, the hymnist describes it best. When the hymnist, I'm not going to sing to you, I love you too much. Tis so sweet to trust in Jesus and to take him at his word, just to rest upon his promise and to know, thus saith the Lord, Jesus, Jesus, how I trust him, how I've proved him o'er and o'er. Jesus, Jesus, precious Jesus, oh, for grace to trust him more. That's it, folks, walking along with him. And so the mind that is set on the Spirit is one of trust because the Father and the Son and the the Spirit are all in agreement with each other. And you're walking along with them. Third, I'd ask you this. Are you praying for wisdom? You need wisdom in order to be able to make decisions. James 1.5 says, but if any of you lacks wisdom, and I have to say that, who is it of you that doesn't lack wisdom sometime? Tell me about that. But any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all generously and without reproach, and it will be given to him. Do you realize this is a promise that God has said? If you ask him for wisdom, he will give it to you. See, any decision that you don't already know the answer and what you're supposed to do, you should go before the Lord and you should say, Lord, I do not have the wisdom. I need the wisdom. And I, and I believe, Lord, that you will generously give me the wisdom that you said you would. Now, understand, wisdom is not knowledge. Wisdom is the insight necessary to make a godly decision. It's that insight See, wisdom changes your character to make you wise. And why do we go to God? Why do we go to God for wisdom? Because God can give us wisdom because he is full of wisdom. Paul, in his letter to the Romans, he wrote, Now to him who is able to establish you according to my gospel... And the preaching of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation of the mystery, which has been, been kept secret for long ages past. But now has been disclosed and through the scriptures of the prophets in accordance with the commandment of the eternal God has been made known to all the nations, leading to obedience of faith. And then he says this to the only wise God through Jesus Christ, be the glory forever. Amen. To the only wise. Wise God that we have. When you consider, now think of this, folks. When you consider the decisions of God for bringing Jesus into the world. When you consider the decisions of God to bringing you into the presence of Jesus Christ. You've got to come up with the the knowledge that he is wise. You've got to know that he is wise. And so you've got to understand. So you walk with him. And it may not be the shortest path, but it is the right path to take. Now, years ago, they've cleaned this up in the last seven or eight years. But on the way to the site to where Jesus was actually baptized. Now, most of the time we take people to a different site and take it to this different site because it's cleaner. I'm just going to tell you up front, it's a cleaner place. And you go to that place where Jesus was baptized, on the Jordan side of the river, by the way. You can read that in the scripture and find out that that's true. What happens is you go there and it's a real windy road. It's flat. It's a real windy road. You know why it's a windy road? Because there's a sign, there's a barbed wire fence up there and it says, danger landmines. Okay? Now, you could take a shorter path. You could cut across these fields, but I wouldn't do it. And the reason is, is because there were thousands of landmines out there. And yet, you could get to this road, though it was windy, and you'd go back and forth and back and forth. And you could get there safely as long as you stayed on the road. When you're walking the path with God, you're going to stay away from many, many landmines. But a lot of people, they decide to take the shorter path. Proverbs fourteen twelve says, There is a way that seems right to a person, but its end is the way of death. Now, I guarantee you, if you would cut across that, that field with those landmines, you'd have found out about that. But you'll find out about that when you find that you're trying to go your own way, do your own thing, and you're not listening to the Lord. Fourth thing, are you leaning on your own understanding? Is it your own understanding you're doing this? Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your paths straight. God's desire is to make our paths straight. Not because of that. I told you about that windy road. That's not what I'm talking about. It means you're going to go exactly where he wants you to go in this. And my own understanding... When I try to use my IBM, my itty bitty mind, when I try to do that, and I try to do what I think that I'm supposed to do, then I find myself in bad places all over the place. And I honestly, I don't even know all the repercussions if I hadn't followed the Lord. Uh, One morning I was coming to church and there was a red light and I decided, I'm on my bicycle. I'm just telling you what happened. I'm on my bicycle. And uh, I decided that I could beat that red light. You understand? You're on a bicycle and you're doing this. So I'm pedaling about as hard as I can. There's a car that is waiting there to take off. And I'm I'm just about to get to the intersection. The light turns red for me, green for him, and he takes off. Let me tell you what happened. In my mind, because he took off fast, I had already predicted exactly where he was going to hit me. I mean, exactly. I already knew that he was going to break my leg. Now, you'd say, that's crazy. I I can tell you in my own mind's eye, I saw it all. And you know how time kind of slows down when you're in a situation like that? It seemed like it slowed down for me. And I'd already figured it out. I said, I'm going to get hit. I'm going to hit right here on this leg. I mean, it's going to not only just tear up my bicycle, it's going to tear me up at the same time, you know. And somehow he hits his brakes, slides sideways. I hit my brakes on the bike. I slide by. We don't even touch each other. But do you realize what has happened? I can, in my mind's eye, know what was going to happen if all of these other things hadn't happened. And just in the same way, God knows. God knows what will happen and what can happen. And he has made all of his plans understanding all that he knows. He knows what could happen. And we don't know that. We really to our own understanding. As I mentioned last week, but I'll give it, it's a great illustration though. Did Joseph in the Old Testament, did he know what was going on when his brothers threw him in the pit? And the, when they they sold him into slavery, do you think he knew what was going on? Because he didn't know what was going on. And when he went to prison for actually being faithful, he said, did he know what was going on? Did he know what was going on when he interpreted the dreams of the the baker and and the butler? Did he know what was going on? No, he figured it out that if he followed along with the Lord, did what he was supposed to do, guess what happened? He says in Genesis 50, 20, he's talking to his brothers. He said, as for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good. God meant it for good in order to bring about this present result to keep many people alive. He realized it. Doing what the Lord wants you to do is the exact best place you can be. It may take you through some twists and some turns. It may take you in places that you don't want to go, but it is the very best thing. Fifth thing, are you asking God to open your eyes to the Word? Open your eyes to the Scripture, because you need to read them with open eyes. Psalm 119.18 says, Open my eyes that I may behold wonderful things from your law. I will tell you folks, the number one thing I would say in a Christian walk of any of you is to have a regular quiet time. A time every day that you spend with the Lord. Now, I choose to do it in the mornings. I do it in the mornings because it sets my day in order. You don't have to do it that. There's nothing in the world that says you have to. And I hardly ever read more than three or four verses. I did this morning. I read 13. I'll tell you exactly. I thought that was funny. I said, well, I read 13 this morning. I tell them three or four. But this morning I didn't do that. And And so what happens is God often answers my questions for direction what 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 do you want me to do as i'm in that quiet time isn't that amazing it's amazing to me you see he knows where i'm going to be in every moment he knows whether or not i'm going to read that scripture that morning he knows what scripture i'm going to read even if i don't even know what scripture i'm going to read he knows all of that and he knows he can give me the answer at the time that i need it just as i am in his word now, that's not always the case, folks, for me. There have been times when God has directed me to a scripture. I told you this story before, too, but it's the best one I know. I don't play a Bible roulette. I don't go drop the Bible down and see what's going to happen. You know, it might, you know I'll, I'll probably end up in the concordance or something in the back, or the, on, on the maps or whatever, if I did that sort of thing. But I've had God move me to scripture before. Let me tell you how sensitive you need to be. I was arrogant. I was in Lubbock at the time. I sensed that my ministry was finished. I, I I think it was time for me to go. And so I was meeting with two other guys, two other men, and we were praying about things. And and, and I told these men in my arrogance, said, Lord, I mean, I said to these guys, I'm praying to the Lord, rather, that I am, that the Lord's going to speak to me, tell me the name of the church and the city that it's in beforehand so that when they call, I can say, I was waiting for you to call. That's, That's arrogance. And so I began to pray this. And I didn't pray it for long, just a couple of days, two or three days. And I suddenly got Hebrews 11.8 in my mind. I mean, Hebrews 11.8. And each time I pray about it, Hebrews 11.8, Hebrews 11.8, Hebrews. I didn't remember what Hebrews 11.8 said. I didn't have a clue what it said. You know, this is no joke. And I was actually afraid to look it up. Because I was afraid it might say, and Judas despaired and hanged himself or something like that. You know, and I'm supposed to do that. So what happened was, I looked it up. And here's what it says, Hebrews eleven eight. 8. It says, by faith, Abraham, when he was called, obeyed going out to a place which he was to receive for an inheritance. And he left, not knowing where he is going. I don't know how you interpret that, folks. But I interpret it very clearly. God's not going to tell me. I could be all the arrogance that I want to be, but he is not going to tell me. So I went back to those men the next time we prayed. We prayed once a week. And I said, I got a word from God. And it wasn't a word from God that I was reading through the scriptures at that time. It was a word from God that he said, turn to this scripture. I'm going to tell you what I've done in the past. I'm going to tell you what I'm going to do now. And so he told me, I'm not going to tell you. So I would say to you, don't you worry about the destination when God tells you to do something. You just do what he tells you to do. Sixth thing I'll say. Are you open to godly counsel? This is very, very important. Proverbs 1, 5, and there's many scriptures I could have chosen here. A wise person will hear and increase in learning, and a person of understanding will acquire wise counsel. God places people that are wise in your path so that you will walk in the ways that he wants you to walk. And now, the story I'm going to tell you is where you men need to listen to your wives. Karen and I got married December the 4th, 1976. She still had a semester left in college, so she was still in college. And we went to something called LTC, which is Leadership Training Conference in Waco. That's where they take the uh, college students and, you know, they train them how to do things on the college campus. And so I went with with her. She was still a college student. I was not a college student, and I went there. And on the way up there, I decided to buy an egg salad sandwich at Seven Eleven. I don't even know if I ought to tell you the rest of the story. <laughs> I got sick. Oh, I got really sick. I was there in some auditorium there at Baylor, and I was up there, and I went to that bathroom that was up there, and I was over that that. White throne. I threw up that sandwich, my lunch, my breakfast. I threw up the pizza I had three days before. I'm telling you. And when I finally had enough, I mean, you, I'm talking about the sweating. You know what I'm talking about. I finally go in. There's a speaker, and he's challenging the college students. as when you graduate. Why don't you take a year and become a campus evangelism coordinator? And I listened to him and I said, that really sounds like something that should happen. So I leaned over to my wife. I don't know what my breath smelled like, but, you know, I leaned over to her and I said, why don't you apply? And she turned to me and said, why don't you? And I knew that was wise. That was godly counsel at that moment. And so I did and i became a campus evangelism coordinator working for the baptist general convention of texas at two college campuses but if you're open to godly counsel people god will put people in your path so he can give you what he wants you to do now i've had that happen many other times in my life that's just one of the cases you know i've heard it in sermons from other preachers i've heard it from watching preachers on tv i've read it in books and I've read it in the scriptures. I was visiting before I ever thought about going in the ministry. I was visiting a church at First Baptist Franklin. One time in my life, I went with a guy named Joe Bolin, who was their part-time youth minister. He was one of the college students. And I was a college student at that time. And I went there. And on that one Sunday that I was there, I was there for a Saturday night and a Sunday. He did some things with his youth. And on the Sunday night, they had a Sunday night services. And there was a retired pastor and I was sitting, I was just sitting on the front because just, there's always room at the front. You know what I'm saying? And so I, I was sitting on the front and this retired pastor whom I did not know came up to me and said, God is calling you to preach. I want you to know I got out of that church as fast as I could and I never went back. You see, God knew I'd be obstinate, but he also knew he needed to tell me. That's godly counsel. Then seventh, are you willing to accept his will no matter what? When Jesus was in the garden of Gethsemane, a lot of people think he said, Oh Lord, I just want this cup to be removed from me. And that's what he was praying. That is not what he was praying. You hear me? what he was praying for is his father's will and if i read this prayer to you you'll understand it he says in luke 22:42 he says saying father if you are willing remove this cup from me but not as my will or not my will but yours be done he was praying for his father's will now the immediate consequences seem dire but the ultimate result was glorious of that decision. You realize there is no other way that we could have been saved. There is no other way. I know the people are saying, "What not it odd the way God chose to save us? No, there was no other way. We needed somebody who, we we're all dead in our sins. We needed somebody who was alive. Someone who'd never sinned in order to die for us. Because you can't kill a dead person. But with a live person, you can. And he gave his life for us. In the book, The Insanity of God, Nick Ripkin tells the story of when he went to Somalia. The terrorist groups in Somalia were killing all the Christian converts. They were just killing them, getting rid of them. And three of the Muslim workers that he had, they found out they were on the hit list. They found out they were on the hit list and they were not Christians. And so they asked Nick Ripken to go to the head of the terrorist and try to get them off the list. And so he went to the head of the, of the uh, terrorist and told him. they said, these three guys go to the mosque every week. They pray toward Mecca five times daily. They observe Ramadan and even one of them is, has, uh, 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 has been on the hajj. And so the terrorists, believe it or not, the terrorists thanked him for it and took their names off the list and told him this. He said, we are not going to kill the missionaries because that will make them martyrs. He says, we're killing their converts because that'll make the missionaries leave. Guess what? There were 70 missionaries in that country when they started this. Two months later, there were four. There were just four left. Nick Ripken was one of them. Is the will of God that important to you? Is it that important to you? That's what you have to come to. And lastly, are you willing to wait on the Lord? God is not a fast food prayer machine. You don't go up and put your prayer in. You hope that he gives you the answer right away. He answers at the right time. Psalm 27, 14 says, Wait for the Lord, be strong, and let your heart take courage. Yes, wait for the Lord. When I came here, almost 19 years ago, when I came here, I began to pray for revival. And you know what God has told me? There will be revival in this church. You know what He hasn't told me? When it's going to be. You know, it may not happen while I'm the pastor, it may not even happen while I'm alive. But I'm going to wait on the Lord. I'm not going to try to produce something that only he can do. Most people, when they want to find out what they're supposed to do, they flip coins or they do some kind of crazy thing, when really what they need to do is to wait for the Lord to give them an answer. And it's, they try all these ridiculous means of finding God's will. But let me ask you, do you think the God who saves you saved you wants the best for you? Why wouldn't you listen to him? Let's pray. Father, I do pray in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ that we will all know your will, even at this moment,